Joining us now, though, to talk cricket is uh, Graham Beasley from Sports Freak. Uh, G'day, Graham. How's things? Sure, Ricardo. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Good. If, uh, fresh back from the basin, are we? I am fresh back from the basin. An extraordinary day. Now, you as a football fan will know the expression, it's the hope that kills you. Mm. And that's very much how I feel today after today's play. Um, you know, uh, the, the way we batted yesterday and then for five hours today was the justest performance I've seen from this team for a year or so. They really dug in um, contributions all around. Obviously, the Kane Williamson innings, I would rate as one of his best test innings because he wasn't really ever in form. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk how he's been out of form um, over the last year or so. And he never, I mean, he certainly wasn't the imperial Kane Williamson that we've seen over the years. But he gutsed it out. He, he eliminated the risky shots. He eliminated the sweep and that little dad down the third man, that kind of stuff. He played really conventionally, and it was just such a fighting inning. And he was surrounded by Mitchell playing a positive game, which allowed, which allowed Williamson to, to not have to worry about turning over the scoreboard. Uh, Blundell, who's just having a fantastic summer, keeping on being what he was. And so you can really feel proud. And at about, I don't know, quarter to five or whatever it was, we were 450 for five, and everyone was talking about, you know, how long should we bat for and get a lead? And then it just all fell apart in the space of about 25 minutes, really. Um, and, you know, all that two days' hard work is just gone to waste, unfortunately. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, actually. Five for 28, I think it was, the collapse. It was it was pretty ugly. And uh, some players that should know better, yeah. and, you know, I mean, I think the first of those, really, because his job as the bowling all-rounder is to really protect the tail, was Michael Bracewell. I mean, I'm not sure what oh, was yeah. going on there. He's been sitting on his bum for a day and a half. Um, surely he could be a bit toeier than that. And, 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 and sort of uh, getting run out in that fashion was uh, was horrendous. That was village cricket. It really was. I mean, you know, coming back for three, um, he just jogged the last run. He didn't ground his bat. Um, that was just so sloppy. You know, if you're a, a coach of uh, a school team and someone did that, you'd have a go at them. It was just lazy and it was, you know, in, in five days of cricket, it's a bit harsh to say that one moment is the turning point in a match. But I think in this case, you could actually say that because the new ball was due in about... I think one and a half overs after that. And he, I mean, he, he's a good bat for Michael Bracewell, and he would have been capable of facing the new ball with Anderson and Broad, who were clearly tired and disgruntled and, and you know, not, not at their peak uh, coming back from that new ball. He would have actually done well. Blunder would have loved the new ball in the way that he was seeing it at the time. Um, and then it just meant that because he felt England didn't have to take the new ball because they know that our tail enders... Um, can't play uh, can't play spinners when it's actually turning, and you know Southie Southie's not as guilty as Bracewell, but that was really dumb too, especially from a captain to just sort of close his eyes and have a slog at leech, um, and then it all just fell apart from there, and, and just you know, as I say, in the space of thirty minutes, the whole game completely changed. It did. It did. And actually, I was trying to find a text from last uh, from yesterday afternoon, but I can't. I can't find it now. But I think it was Josh sent through a text saying, "I've always believed that Southey can bat, and we we saw it in that seventy three or forty nine. Uh, why can't he do it consistently? I, I've got a, a theory. It's uh, just it depends how whether or not Tim can be bothered on the day. That's kind of how it looks. I don't know about you. It is how it looks, but surely, and especially since he's captain. It has to be more than that. I mean, I think he's, 
I don't think he likes facing the fastball. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He will, you know, he's he's maybe not as scared of it as Trent Bolters, but uh, yeah, if you, if you look at him batting against the fastballers, he does tend to back away. But he should have the eye and the strength and the technical ability to be able to play a spinner. So why he plays that really rash shot against um, Leach, you know, it's 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 very hard to explain. Uh, very hard to explain. And, and on that, you mentioned Leach. Uh, took five for in the second innings, took two in the first. He's taken seven wickets in this match. Uh, we're not, not at day five yet. Um, and apparently uh, New Zealand can't play a spinner in New Zealand because they don't work in these conditions. <laughs> that says it, but doesn't it really? Um, yeah, I mean, Leach, he bowled, he bowled that really good ball to get Young out yesterday. Um, although Young should still probably be able to defend that. Um, he was really accurate. He was also really defensive during that um, Blunder-Williamson partnership. And here's the thing I want to say. Everyone goes on about bloody fastball and how aggressive and attacking it is. England, during that Williamson-Blunder partnership, played some of the most negative cricket I've ever seen. They, for example, had broad bowling to Blundell with one slip, four players in a ring on the offside and, and basically uh, a ring field. It was just all about stopping scoring. Um, you know, I mean, someone like Stuart Broad bowling with one slip um, just, just seems a bit odd. They had Jack Leach coming in over the wicket against the right-handers, bowling way outside the league stump. It was like a 3-6 field. Um, you know, that, that is some positive cricket. I mean, it may be effective and all the rest of it, but... For all the sort of stuff about they are the big entertainers swaggering into town. Um, and we had Stuart Borg kicking the pitch a lot because he got grumpy. And um, there was that spell when things weren't going well for them that um, it all got, well, ugly is probably an overstatement, but it, it just got a little bit messy, really. And um, it, was, it was quite interesting to see them under that pressure. It really was. Oh, was. Was Stuart Broad grumpy about that or was he grumpy about his Nottingham Forest side conceding four to West Ham? <laughs> Probably a bit of pace. He was also a bit grumpy about Jimmy Anderson dropping Blundell off his bowling as well. Boy, I mean, they're, they're meant to be old mates, aren't they? And there was a lot of glaring going on there. <laughs> now, uh, another interesting thing I picked up during this test is the, the English media that are over there. Boy, they've got the knives out for Ben Stokes. Um, really? It's a surprising level, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, Stokes is credited. Obviously, he's the captain in this new era. And, you know, you can't, uh, you can't criticise their record. But it's interesting that during these last 11 tests, when they've just blitzed everyone, Stokes, as a player, just hasn't done anything. I mean, he hasn't scored any runs. He goes out and does uh, reverse sweeps, first ball, and all that kind of stuff. He's not bowling anymore. He's injured. Um, and they're sort of calling him the Mike Brearley. So, so those of us old enough to remember Mike Brearley from the late 70s was the England captain who basically got the job because he was a good captain. And he could unify the team post-packer years and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, boy, they've got the knives out for him. That'll be interesting then, because I was like, you know, he got two overs uh, in the innings and went for 16, obviously, before he got, got injured, they which is which is great. Overs too. Mm, yeah. No, that's right. I mean, he's just, he, he got banned from bowling short balls. And, yeah, he just looked really, um, really disinterested. Uh, now, Graham, we should sort of pay. I mean, I know we've talked about Kane's innings, but the fact that he's gone past Ross Taylor now as well—that uh, is some—that mm-hmm. so, is some sort of milestone. Um, where do you think Kane sits in the pantheon of New Zealand batsmen? Because I think 
you know, there's a lot of romanticism around Martin Crow and, you know, the, the era he played in where he was often batting, uh, uh, you know, without a lot around him for long periods is there. Glenn Turner obviously did some marvellous things in his career for New Zealand and was head and shoulders above anybody else we had. But where do you think Kane sits for you? I think Martin Crow will always be the most aesthetically pleasing batsman we've ever had. Um, there, there was just something in the way about when he batted, and, and it was just so loud when he played the shots. It was a, the timing was something else. But I think the best all-round batsman we've ever had will will be Kane. I mean, I yeah, I, I think in, in all the you know, if, if you lined up various categories about dependable, good against pace, good against spin, all the rest of it, um, Williamson might not come first in any of those categories, but he'd always come second. Um, and he's such a good all-round player. Um, a good ODI player too. Um, not a great T20 player, um, but that really shouldn't come into calculations. As, as a test batter, you know, you just you just got to look at the stats. He's, you know, and now he's got 26 test centuries. And as I say, for him to get that century today against a good attack and without really being totally informed, um, I think says a lot about his concentration as well. So that would put him up with Glenn Turner, as I say in those categories, in terms of concentration. Um, and I thought it was a fantastic innings. And yeah, I hope, I hope that elbow stays together because I think that there might be more problems with that elbow than we're led to believe. I just sort of get the feeling, watching him in the field as well, he's, when he returns the ball back to the keeper or whatever, he's sort of throwing in a way that doesn't quite seem natural. So I think he is nursing that elbow. So I hope that stays together and, um, and we can get a lot more years out of him because what we saw today is even if he's on the decline, we will still get yeah, well, and that uh, brings us on to uh, the next series that uh, New Zealand have. The next Test series is here against Sri Lanka. It's during the IPL, so there will not be any cane. There will uh, there'll be a few players that won't be there. Um, surely, a great opportunity for Gary Stead uh, and Co to have a look at a few other players because the thing with this team is they're all getting old at the same time, uh, and they're going to have to make a lot of changes in the next few years, so they might as well start now. Uh, they've resisted that change, uh, and they've made some interesting selection choices. Uh, what do you think about that, and what do you think they'll actually do? I totally agree with you in principle that it is time to blood some younger players, but the issue is, who are those younger players? You know, it's, um, There's not really a young generation coming through, unfortunately, at the moment. Um, the 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 golden years of this uh, test side, um, yeah, you know, over the last ten years and obviously culminating in the World Test Championship, was built around the basis of an under nineteen team that went to the under nineteen World Cup in two thousand and eight, and following that World Cup, actually, Tim Southey made his test debut. But that squad had Southey, Bolt, Williamson, Watling, Michael Bracewell. You know who who made his debut last year. You know that that shows how powerful that side was. Um, Sodi and a couple of others that I can't remember. So you know there was that golden generation that came through from 2008, and that formed the foundation of the test side for the next 10 years. There just hasn't been those that young talent coming through ever since. Um, so with the possible exception of uh, Rashan Ravindra, I don't really see any great young players that that can come through. Maybe Glenn Phillips, but Someone pointed out yesterday he hasn't scored a Red Bull century for over three years. So you know, I mean, I mean, he's a very good player, but has he got the ability to play Test cricket? Could he have gone out there today and batted for two sessions? And I kind of doubt that actually. So while in principle, I think that it is a good opportunity to 
to um, to get a new uh, breed of player in. I, I, I just don't really see that there's, there's the cattle. I wonder how many, because you know, Glenn Phillips has played a lot of T20 cricket, like at, at, in the CPL and things like that. How much red, how much Plunkett Shield cricket has he actually played? Um, I don't know that figure off the top of my head. It's, he, he's played enough Plunkett Shield cricket that he should have had a sense in the last three years, if you put it that way. Um, yeah, all right. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I target will be playing another Plunkett Shield game next, next week. Um, Hopefully, yeah, I, I just think he needs to prove to the selectors that he can bat for longer than an hour. Um, so, for example, against Wellington yesterday, he scored 61 off 50 balls or whatever and, and went out. So that that proves that he's got the talent, but it also proves that maybe he's not quite the right person to bring into the test match at this stage. Yeah, maybe, maybe but not. I'd just like him to go to Otago and bat for two sessions, get 150, and then I think the selectors will say, right, you're, you're uh, an automatic choice. Yeah, I just don't know how many other 26-year-olds have got 3,000 runs at first-class level in 700s and 1950s. I mean, he does have the stats. Oh, you, you, you've done your research, haven't you? A quick fingers um, on the Google, yeah, okay. brain. I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't realise that his first-class stats are as good as that. Yeah, OK. So, I mean, yeah, he's certainly, he's certainly got the ability... It's just a case of saying, are you in the right mindset to be called in for this? Yeah, all right. And I tell you, the other name that I think was done a disservice at Bay Over was Jacob Duffy. Uh, you know, you bring him into the squad. Oh, yeah, I'd love the, to see him play. Yeah, into the wider squad, at a, at a venue that you know the ball swings at. How do you play oh, no, Chris I, Kugel, I uh, Scott Kugelin ahead of him? Oh, well, well, there are several reasons why I can't really justify that. But I just thought it was extraordinary that at the mount, pink ball test, where you knew it was going to swing, we played four fast bowlers, and only one of them, Tim Southey, could swing it. Yeah. It was just bizarre. I mean, you know, I mean, I could see why, for example, Duffy might not play at the basin, but the one test he had to play at was at the Bay Oval, and I, I don't know, I, I just really think that they, um, uh, that they got that selection wrong, because Duffy, as I say, in, in the pink ball test under lights, whatever, would have been a perfect place to um, give him a test debut. Yeah, 100% agree, mate. And uh, the other thing is, now that we've seen Jack Leach go well uh, in New Zealand conditions in a test match and take seven wickets, any chance we get an out-and-out spinner um, in a test team uh, against Sri Lanka? It's hard to know what the selection panel's going to say, but after that run-out today from Michael Bracewell, um, I think he might be on borrowed time. I see it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, in theory, he's picked mainly for being a spinner. But because of a, a, a brain-dead moment today running between the wickets, the, the, he, will, he will get a few demerit points for that. And I wonder, and I actually hope that they give Sodi another go. So do I. And, you know, people also go on about Sodi, or it means it's a long tail, etc., what I really rate about Sodi is that I think his bowling—I think he's bowling better now than he ever has, actually. And he did really well in Pakistan, and I think his white ball cricket's improved. And also, he's worked on his batting because he knows, and, and he got a 60 odd for Canterbury yesterday. Because um, he knows that, unfortunately, if you want to be a spin bowler playing in a Test match at home in New Zealand, you need to contribute runs. And so he's worked that out, and he's going to work on that. So. Um, I would say that he, he is in the right frame of mind to um, get a recall. Yeah, well, fingers crossed we see that. Hey, Graham, thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, where can people check out your work? 
uh, sportsfreak.co.nz. Uh, um, so I've actually got uh, an, an extra couple of writers on board as well, and sort of uh, doing doing daily reports from the test match and that kind of thing, and and uh, looking at the cricket from another angle. So um, yeah, no, that's quite quite pleased with the way it's all going on. Well, nice, mate. You, you haven't you haven't uh, also, conned Stephen Gallagher into in, into writing about cricket, have you? No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, we um, <coughs> he just sticks to league. He he yeah he knows his box and he writes very well too. He does. He's, um, he's a good man, Stephen Gallagher. He is, mate. He is. We we had him on all throughout last season. Um, uh, pretty yep. much once a week talking NRL. We'll, we'll we'll probably try and stitch him up to do it all over again. Yeah, he knows his stuff. There's no doubt about that. But before we go, Rick. Both of us had quite a good start to the day, didn't we? We did. We had a very good start today, Graham. Tell us about your start to the day, mate. Well, my start was Spurs beating Chelsea two 0 and that actually means more than most derby victories because Chelsea completely have our number. If ever Spurs has a bogey team, it's actually not Arsenal. You know, we we compete okay with Arsenal, but Chelsea, you know, all their fans gloat about going to three point lane and all that kind of stuff, and and for some reason it's a real blind spot, and we've had some terrible uh, defeats against them. So. To beat them 2-0 today, I don't even know that they had a shot on goal. Um, I mean, obviously, there's some really strange stuff going on at Chelsea at the moment, but it just sort of keeps us in that top four um, top four challenge. And even though it wasn't a, a Rolls-Royce performance from Spurs, there's just something sweet about beating Chelsea. Yeah, indeed there is, mate. And actually, a mate of mine, a good mate of mine, is a very big Chelsea fan, uh, and he sent me this because he's very much on the Potter out camp. Uh, remarkably, Chelsea have scored just six goals in all competitions since November the 6th, the fewest of any side in the top four tiers of English football, and 40, 4-0, fewer than Manchester United have produced in the same period of time. Well, well, Rashford's outscored uh, Chelsea sort of 3-1 to one or something, isn't he, in, the, in that period? Yeah, well, and there was actually a, another great stat that after uh, Real Madrid beat Liverpool 5-2 the other day that Real Madrid have scored more goals on English soil in 23 than Chelsea have. <laughs> well, it's doubly sweet, that stat, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it just? Um, although, I mean, Chelsea, is, is the answer for Chelsea to replace their manager again? No. I mean, the, that always seems to be their answer to any problem, doesn't it? I actually think I'm surprised he's still there now, to be honest. Given you know, but I think Bowley's invested in him, so uh, they've spent 600 million, but they can't find a striker. So I don't know what that tells you. I don't know if they'll get Lukaku back uh, for next season if he'll stay around. I know his job is still playing. They can maybe get him back. <laughs> maybe, mate. Maybe. But the whole thing's just a trauma, and it's also interesting that Brighton are travelling okay since Potter left too, aren't they? Well, that was the thing about Brighton. They played a lot of good football and, and, and struggled to score. Um, I mean, is is he the is he the common denominator? Yeah, oh, I, there are all sorts of common denominators at Chelsea, I think. Yeah. But anyway, that that was a very sweet victory to start the day. Yeah, mate. Yeah, and I, obviously, you know, uh, as a Manchester United fan, winning uh, the League Cup, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that any time of the day. It was our first pot in six years, so definitely take that. And uh, have you had a bit of Carabao today? Uh, no, I don't even. I don't even know if you can buy it here. Can you? Apparently, there are some outlets where where you can buy it. But I heard from a man you fan today who went to one in the hut, and it was all sold out. Ah, right. Okay. You know, I I just went retro, mate, and I had a glass of milk for the milk cup. Remember that? <laughs> well, I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, the milk cup days. But yeah, no, great, great win for United, and uh, even better, even sweeter that the boss uh, Ruben is a Newcastle fan. So. Uh, 
I got to, I got to mention oh, okay. that as well. Yeah, this lead, isn't it? yeah very, yeah. very, very. I'd have to it. say, as as the neutral looking in on Man U, Rick, I would I kind of think you made the right decision in getting rid of Ronaldo. I've just got a little hunch. Yeah. Maybe that was the right call. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe it was the right call. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to call, but yeah, you know, I kind of think that that might be the case. Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I you know, and I've said this before, I still think that the uh, a recruitment of getting Ronaldo back out of Juventus is what actually ultimately cost uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer his job. I mean, you think you know they'd, they'd made yeah, a European, that, f- wouldn't it? Well, they made a European final and they finished second in the Premier League. Uh, under Oli without Ronaldo, and he brings in Varane and Sancho, two pieces he felt he needed, and then gets that foisted on him and has to change the way he plays, and, and, and look what happened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's when teams need to change the way they, they play to fit in one player that things start to go wrong, isn't it? Yeah. And we might be seeing that in Man City as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. Good stuff, Graham. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. I've actually I've got got Noel Barclay lined up to come on, and you know what he's going to be talking about. So we better get, we better get away so we can get to Noel. But appreciate your time, mate. Uh, always good to chat. No, no, look forward to it. Cheers, Cheers mate. Uh, Twenty five away from nine here on SENZ Extra Time.